0: time again for Doc Shock, your addiction lifeguard podcast. I am Dr. Jacques De DeBrucchert, a psychologist, licensed professional counselor, and addiction specialist. If you are suffering from addiction, misery, trauma, whatever it is, I'm here to help. If you're in search of help to try to get your life back together, join me here at Doc Shock, your addiction lifeguard, the addiction recovery podcast. to be real clear about what this podcast is intended for. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes, but not considered help. If you actually need real help and you're in need of help, please seek that out. If you're in dire need of help, you can go to your nearest emergency room or you can check into a rehab center or call a counselor like me and talk about your problems and work through them. But don't rely on a podcast to be that form of help. It's not. Just a podcast. It's for entertainment and information only. So let's keep it in that light, all right? Have a good time, learn something, and then get the real help that you need from a professional. Why in the world would anyone want to confront an addict, or why would an addict want to be confronted about their addiction? to help get them into treatment. That's a question that I get asked a lot because I get people that will contact me, loved ones who have an addict in their presence and they struggle. And the concern of the uh, the loved ones about that addict and what 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 do we do with them? What do we do with her? We can't get her to stop. She's destructing, she's self-destructing, whatever. And so the, the, the problem with trying to get somebody into treatment is that they don't want to get into treatment. So that's the premise that I talk about all the time is that addicts don't want to get clean or sober when they're at their worst. They don't because that's their primary coping mechanism and they're not going to give that up. So what do we do with somebody who doesn't want to get clean or sober? Well, you got to force them into it. You got to lead the, the horse to the water. But the horse doesn't necessarily want to take a drink of the water. So it becomes problematic for both the addict and the family, because, uh, or the loved ones, because nobody really knows what to do. So they just keep with the enmeshed, enabling behaviors that eventually leads to disastrous results. Either somebody ending up in jail or prison, or they're all attending a funeral. And, and it's all in, you know, in an attempt to prevent them from having to suffer. So the enabling stuff just, you know, and it's, and it's enabling a manipulation on both sides, not just, not just the addict, not just the family, both sides engage in it. And it's this horrible cycle that just can't be broken unless there's some monumentally significantly impactful move that somebody makes. Um, Sometimes the the intervention is done by the police when they show up and arrest the person uh, and, and it forces that individual into treatment. And if you're an addict, I mean, the last thing you want to see is Johnny Law coming down your street or pulling your car over when you know you're holding or you're high. You know, that's, that's a horrible feeling. It's, it's just this creates this pit in your stomach that is unlike any other because you know you're caught and you know you're going to jail. Um, but if you're the family of a loved one, you know, uh, that has an addiction problem, the worst thing you want to uh, your worst nightmare is that you're going to get a knock on the door by the police. Because you know what that means. Uh, severe hospitalization or the person is dead. So it, it becomes this horrible, um, uh, vicious cycle. So why would you do an intervention? And, and what in the world is an intervention anyway? Um, there are lots of different forms of it. I've seen good, bad, and the ugly in the intervention world. Um, there are those who show up with two big burly dudes uh, in tow. And uh, they get confronted, and you know these two big burly dudes are uh, going to make sure that you get in the vehicle to go to the rehab, and that's a really scary proposition. Uh, that I've I've had people describe that to me. I've I've seen it. Um, it ain't pretty, uh, and and not advisable. I've seen the slicky salesperson type approach with the slicky interventionist who shows up all you know in their expensive car and polished and you know it's like they they treat it like some kind of a corporate transaction and uh, you know they're there to sell the person on rehab and uh, they usually charge a boatload of money 10 grand or more to get that person into rehab I've seen that that's not so good then I've seen the the feebled attempt of the person who was going to try to you know Approach everybody with love and care, and you know, but they become so soft that the addict, who's a master manipulator and the enabling loved one, there's usually one, maybe sometimes more uh, involved that usually just easily manipulates the whole situation around that person who really just, you know, good intention, but uh, just way too soft. And then the person who's doing the intervention, the interventionist, ends up getting manipulated as well, <clears throat> and the whole thing falls apart. So what? Uh, let, let me just describe an intervention, first of all. Uh, let's just talk about that. So an intervention is something where you are intervening in that person's daily routine in their life to try to stop the use of the drug and get them into treatment, right? Your intervention, you're intervening between the drug of choice and the person by putting them in some kind of a safe physical location where they can... Rest and uh, try to recover, you know that's the idea. But what an intervention really is is just getting that person to move towards recovery, and you're intervening in the process of destruction. That's the word intervention, right? So when somebody's doing an intervention, what they're doing is they're uh, attempting to help that family, usually, uh, but sometimes it can be friends, to try to stop the person from self-destructing. From an addict's point of view, an intervention is an unwanted intrusion on your life. You know, l- l- screw you. Leave me alone. I just, I just, I'm fine. I don't, I just want to be left alone. There was a TV show that was on the air for a long time on A&E for years called Intervention. I, you could probably still see it somewhere. I'm not sure. Um, it might still be on the air. I don't, I don't watch it because it's what I do for a profession. So that's not entertainment to me. But it was a, it was a great, I, I saw a few episodes and it was a great, depiction of what an intervention really is like it's a very emotionally charged situation for both the uh the the family um and the addict it's 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 gut-wrenching i do them and i have had a great success with my approach but um it may differ from others Uh, i'm sure it does um but getting getting the um the addict into some form of residential treatment is the goal Right, Um, but, But you have to understand, addicts, families, you must understand that residential treatment is not the cure. And you could go to residential treatment a number of times before you start moving into the direction of recovery. The residential treatment programs are meant for you to get your brain cleared enough so that you can understand that what you have is a problem. And the problem is addiction. Addiction has become your uh, your frenemy, and that's it. You're not going to get into, you know, in long-term residential treatment. I've I knew one guy who was in residential treatment for a year, and a week after he got out, he he relapsed on heroin. It's um, the length of time. Isn't it? And rehab, residential treatment, is simply that. It's just a chance for your body and your brain to be clear of the drug of choice long enough for you to start to overcome the brain damage that you've suffered that's causing you to think that you're not an addict. And it's not a problem. So one time may work. It may take another time. It may take another time. It may take five times. Uh, Steven Tyler, my favorite rock and roll singer, I think he's been to rehab I think a total of 42 or 47 times now. Uh, he just checks himself in cause he knows he's at risk and he's about to, uh, to relapse. That's awesome. I guess if you got the money and the time, most of us don't, but, uh, Hey, good for him. Um, and so an intervention is the process of trying to convince not only the addict, but the, the family of the addict that, Hey, you know what? Things have got to change and we're going to do that. So when, uh, you know, people who are addicts, sometimes they feel ambushed. My experience in all of the uh, interventions I've done, I've only had that happen one time where the person felt like they were being ambushed only once. The rest of the time, it's, they're being surrounded with love. And as soon as they walk in and they see everybody who loves them sitting there waiting for them, so they can talk to them and confront the addiction with the addict, not confront the addict but confront the addiction with the addict the love just overcomes everything and and that's you know for me as an as an inter somebody who does interventions i i really feel strongly that the need for love as the primary driver for that action of intervening in your drug addiction and your your alcoholism or whatever's killing you is really really the it's the special sauce of of uh getting getting you moving that direction Um, so an intervention is a gathering of people who care and love, love you. It's not something the family leads. You absolutely need a professional to do an intervention for you. You, I have never seen a successful intervention being performed by a family that was able to pull off getting the person into recovery, into, into residential treatment. I've never seen it. I'm, I'm sure it happens. I have not seen it. I usually get the call. Uh, one of my colleagues uh, described it as immediately it's a fire drill. I get the call because it's a fire drill, and so when that call comes and um, it, you know it's like urgent, urgent, urgent. The person's been an addict for fifteen years or ten years or five years and they've overdosed you know a number of times, but suddenly right now is the important time because there's some event that has occurred or somebody's gotten their panties in a wad about something and. You know, it's right now, right now, right now. And, and that just never works. You got to slow down a little bit because you got to think about what you're doing. And so the professional that you employ to guide you through this process is the one who knows what they're doing. The families don't. Everything they've done at that point has been a disaster and a failure. So I don't know why they think collectively they're going to be able to gather and present that failed uh, thinking and, and behaviors as a group that somehow is going to become successful when it won't. It won't because your approach is all all wrong. Um, it's usually a lot of anger and resentment. Uh, there's always somebody that's an enabler, and a lot of times they will tip off the addict that hey, I don't think you should. They're planning an intervention. You should stay away from them. And it's like, good God, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> this person is is uh, they're they're dying, and you're and you're forewarning somebody who's trying to help. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. Anyway. I'm going to stay away from that topic. Uh, But it's a gathering of people that in a compassionate, loving, caring way surrounds the addict with the idea that we love you, we want you, and we want you back sane, stable, and sober. But you need help. So please take the help. And that's kind of what it comes down to. Um, And there's a methodology I use that gets there. Um, My methodology has been very successful I've, I've only had one person not go to residential treatment in all the interventions I've done. Only one. And I don't know if that person uh, eventually did go. I lost touch with them after a while. Um, hopefully, uh, he did. Uh, it was a, a gentleman who had a, a child, and he was, he was a, uh, had sole custody of the child, but he had turned child care responsibilities um, over to his, his mother, sadly who accommodated that so that he could be an alcoholic. It's just, it's heartbreaking for that child. And I hope that, that did change. Um, that kid would probably be in high school now. Um, he was like six at the time. So that was probably 10 years ago. Uh, anyway, so the intervention is done with compassion, not anger. It's, it's aggressively and assertively confronting addiction. not, not, the person who's the addict but the addiction they suffer from and the reason for doing it is because they have become so destructive and dysregulated that they just can't they can't function normally they can't think normally their their distorted thinking has led them to just disastrous actions and behaviors and consequences so an intervention is something that is well planned out it's well scripted um it's not led by a family member it's led by a practitioner who kind of uh, my analogy is it's kind of like um Uh, a conductor of an orchestra you've got these expert musicians who collectively have gathered to play music but the conductor is the one that chooses how that music is going to be played how it's sounding right it's like a painter paint is paint a brush is a brush a canvas is a canvas but the painter actually applies the paint to the canvas and every painter has the canvas looking differently and that's what a conductor does takes the same piece of music and he makes it sound different and is and like his own so he does that by putting his own emphasis in areas that are important to him or he feels that that you know are unique and special that that make it work well so you can hear the same piece of music performed in an orchestra by two different orchestras or sometimes even the same orchestra but a different conductor and it'll sound completely different Um, the melody is the same but the sound is different as opposed to the, the, the melody line. And that's the way it is with interventions. So each one is kind of unique because everybody's circumstance is different. I've done them where I've had to just confront the person on the street, literally, as they're coming out of jail uh, without a family member and just move them towards recovery and said, hey, I'm here to take you, let's go. And they agree. Um, I've had others where there have been a gathering of, you know, as many as 12 or 13 friends who are confronting an individual. Um, I, I've had just a a selective few member members of the family, two or three, I've had six or eight. It's just all over the place and the drug of choice and that person's age and background plays into it, uh, the addict. So what, what will convince them, but see the, the advantage of having the professional lead this is that the professional who you you, got to find somebody who actually is a professional and is somebody who has experience in recovery uh, is very helpful. Um, if If not necessary, but at a minimum, very helpful. And also is a clinician because you've got to be able to understand how people think and behave towards the addict from the family side. So the enablers, the passive people, the passive aggressive people, the supporters, the overzealous, the overly emotional, Uh, you know, if somebody themselves is an addict, you can't, it's difficult when an addict is confronting an addict and neither one of them is in recovery. That can be disastrous. So so the clinician has to be able to determine, Hey, who's appropriate to be in the room and who shouldn't be there and, and exclude them and then try to protect the secrecy of it or the, the surprise of it, because the, the effectiveness is in the surprise in in the confronting of the addiction and and if somebody knows there's going to be an uh, an intervention usually that's not a good a a good place to be because they are expecting something to happen and they've already come up with why why they're not going to go i'm not going to go because you know so that that's not a good thing so you want to you want to get to the you know be able to have the professional kind of talk to each person and understand and figure out how to how to orchestrate this thing And families that (laughs) I have the experience of a family will call me and it's the fire drill and I try to get them to calm down and slow down and they don't, they sort of do it. They sort of don't. And I consult with them. They, they want to employ me to do it. And then immediately somebody in the family says, we don't need to use this person. We can do this ourselves. And if that voice is a leader in the family or the friends, uh, I am no longer employed. And then I'll get a call. I'll, I'll say, look, you know, just let me know if things work out. If you guys don't want to use me, okay, fine. Um, and I'll get a call, and it, 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 the person never went. Because they just, they you know, one or two of the elders in the family thought they are just the power of authority could could move them that direction, not realizing that the power of authority a lot of times is what the addict is rebelling against to begin with. So it's just it's disastrous. Um, and then then the professional also should provide support after the fact at least i do um i know there are some people that don't they just come in they swoop in with the two dudes you're going in the car they go on the plane in the rehab next next client and there's no follow-up there's no follow-up with trying to have support through the fmla or the short-term disability or uh, you know, the aftercare, trying to follow through to make sure that they're doing aftercare and so on and so on. Those are the things I do. Um, I think it's vitally important because we're saving lives here. We're not making money. We're saving lives. I, if you, if you do it because you're making money, then you've lost sight of what you should be focused on, which is saving lives. Now it's not a free service, obviously, but the whole point is to save a life. And so you, you, you know, the formulaic commercial, interventionist who's all slicky boy polished or slicky girl polished and whatever you know i yeah, effective yeah i got them in but then once they went in they just went on to the next person and that was the end of it and that person discharged from treatment and then they just probably relapsed because there's no follow-through with aftercare slippery 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 getting their uh getting their sneaky on that's what addicts do they're getting their sneaky on. Slippery, slippery. And you can't let them slip through the cracks. You know, uh, 30 days is a long time for somebody to not use, but in real, reality, not a very long time to not be using, especially if they've been using for five years. 30 days is nothing. Uh, sometimes I let jail be the intervention. Um, I actually like it when somebody gets. gets uh popped and they they go to jail because they can't use in jail and it's a wake-up call and yeah it sucks being in jail i've sat in jail it's it's not it's oh, it's horrible um but when you are uh getting popped and and uh you know you got to go before the judge oh then the, then the fire drill really begins for the family a lot of times because what they want to do is get them out of jail. Oh, that's terrible. They should not be there. And I'm like, no, let them sit and marinate in jail because at least you don't have to start chasing them around. And it makes my job sometimes very easy as an interventionist to go in and say, look, go to rehab. It's better than jail. you know. And, and an alternative of jail or rehab, that really actually that gives them a chance to uh really park their butt in a chair and listen and understand that they have addiction because guess what if it's jail or rehab and the person goes to rehab and they walk out they get reported then they go to jail so it's a forced rehab situation ah yeah and and they may not be responding well because of that but at least they're in the presence of people that can help them as opposed to just out on the street and if they're in the presence of people that can help them, there is the the greatest chance possible that they will then get the help. So if you are a family and you are dealing with an addict and you know you're confronted with jail or or rehab, and the decision making process is gonna is hinging on a court case that is gonna happen in a week, let them sit in jail. Don't bail them out, please, please do not bail them out. It's not worth it. If they are out of control and crazy. That's the best place they can be. They're safe, right? They're not. They're not going to be overdosing in jail. So I'm pleading with you to please let them sit there for a few days and let them get it. If, however, on the other hand, um, this you know, it's like a first time event offense or something, and it's minor, and they're not really dysregulated and out of control, you know, okay, you want to get them out, then we can do the intervention and get them into um, rehab. Here's an interesting thing. I have not experienced a judge that is willing to send police officers from the sheriff's department out to a rehab to handcuff somebody in rehab to pull them out, to put them in jail. Now, I am sure that in this country, in the United States, that is a possibility. In other countries, and I know I've got listeners in Germany and South Africa and Australia and in England and uh, Germany. Did I say Germany? I already said Germany. Um the laws in those countries, I don't know. I, I wish I could speak to that, but I, I can't. Um, And maybe if somebody can give me some information on that and wants to send me, uh, you know, uh, 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 reach out to me through email and let me know, hey, what's your experience in those countries? I'd love to hear that because I, 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 you know, I really would like to be able to address that and try to figure out strategies that work in your country. So if you're in Germany or England or Australia South Africa and you want to send a message out to me, Hey, let's, let's, let's talk about that. And if you want to come on and talk about your experience, if you've had those experiences um, with the legal systems and your recovery and how is it supported or hindered by the legal system, I'd love to explore that with you. So if you can reach out to me, please do. You can reach me through my website, wellspringmindbody.com, wellspringmindbody.com. And, and let's, I'd love to talk to you. Um, In any case, so to get back to it, is an intervention necessary? I think it is absolutely necessary. I wish people would do more interventions because it helps save lives. And your family and your friends have been trying to help you if you're an addict and you have not been successful in getting into treatment because you're resistant. So maybe if you feel the love that you're feeling in that room at at that moment when you're being confronted. And by the way, everybody I've done an intervention with, Totally breaks down. It is it is such a uh, a moving, incredible scene. Watching somebody who is an addict who really desperately wanted help, but just could not because of their false arrogance caused by addiction um, and pride, not allow them to do it. And so, uh, to see them get to that emotional state is just awesome. And. You know, for me, it's very moving, too, because I feel like I've, I've really helped somebody when I get to them to that point. However, if if you didn't do the intervention, your chance of getting that person into rehab, if if you've been trying for a while and you feel like, oh, well, we'll gather and do it in force, you're not going to be successful. You're just not, I, I, it, sadly. So let a professional help you. Somebody like me. You can reach out to me. I'll help you. But just let a professional who knows how to get people into rehab help you. You don't need to do it by yourself. And if you're an addict and you feel like you're getting ambushed and attacked, trust me, you are not getting ambushed and attacked at all. You're really not. What you're doing is you're seeing the people that love you and care about you try to reach you and help you. And it is that love and that compassion that really is going to save your life. So uh, get a professional. Get some professional help when it comes to getting someone into rehab and then helping them support them in their efforts in aftercare because you got to let the love show and that love is going to have to linger for years, you know, because it it is two years before you can really call yourself either clean or sober because you've gone through enough recovery to get to that point. So don't be afraid of doing an intervention. Just make sure you're doing it the right way with a compassionate confront confronting the addiction but not being confrontational but compassionate confrontation uh, compassionate confronting of the issue is where you need to be I hope this has helped you uh, understand interventions if you have more questions please reach out to me but um, I think uh, it's the best step you can take Well, that's it for this episode of Doc Shock your addiction lifeguard I am here to help rescue and save you from your addiction and if you are a family of a loved one who needs help, you can reach out to me through my website wellspringmindbody.com and I will help you and if you are an addict please get the help that you need go to rehab, go see a counselor go to a meeting go to the rooms, don't be afraid don't be shy raise your hand and say, hey man, I need some help and I hope that you do get that help if you have any questions for me please reach out to me but i have enjoyed doing this podcast today for you my faithful listeners here on the doc shock your addiction lifeguard podcast thanks for listening catch you next time